Mikimba Radio Broadcast, Episode 3. It's a gas, gas, gas. I first want to thank you so much for listening and subscribing thus far. Episode 2 was pretty much about my history and how I got into the radio business, but after 30 plus years on the air in South Florida, I forget that I'm talking to potentially and hopefully people from all over. So I was mentioning a few few DJs in the last episode, like Paul Castronovo, and I was joking around when he used to be a part-timer, and now he's a longtime morning show guy. And uh, Steve Stansel, who is no longer in radio, but uh, was on pretty much every rock station in the market. So they're just longtime South Florida DJs, and uh, I I just got to (laughs) remember that I'm not on the air in South Florida at the moment. So I think, though, a lot of people have heard of Neil Rogers, longtime radio talk show host, and um, a a person in that rarefied million-dollar salary air. I'd love to inhale that, even though uh, it'll be 10 years in December that Neil has passed away. He still has a a rabid following. And I had forgotten until I dug up that audio from my first show that was Overnights on Zeta that the next day was his first morning on Zeta where he would be for mm, about a year, close there too. Yeah. And he was very big on trashing colleagues. And sometimes it was in a good way because he wouldn't really waste a whole lot of time and mention you on air if he didn't like you. He'd still trash you, but you could tell it was in a good way because if he didn't like you the way he eviscerated you, you kind of, you could really, you could tell the difference. And I'd seen his wrath when I was learning to be a board up because I would sit in during his show to watch how that worked. And uh, yeah, it wasn't pretty. So no, uh, starting my my first foray into the DJ world was not intimidating at all with him starting on the same station the next day. Nah, not even a little, no. But I ended up, it would seem, on the former side of the trashing. It turns out we both had the same taste in men, Stephen Tyler, Sean Cassidy. <laughs> and about a month before he left Zeta, which was in early November of 88, I was promoted to full-time overnight, and I finally left the board hopping because I had been doing board hopping full-time and on the air part-time while I finally got over, crossed the side, and luckily for me, he either liked what he heard or he really didn't like the jock who was on Mondays (laughs) overnights because (laughs) he requested, and by that I mean he told management that my schedule would need to be changed so I would be on Monday through Friday instead of Tuesday through Saturday so that I would be his lead-in every morning. So (laughs) I'm not sure the reason, but that's how it worked out. And sometimes we would have crossovers where we would chat on air. And then, of course, as soon as I left, he would mock me. Uh, Sometimes he'd be, we'd have nice uh, off-air conversations when he came in. And other days he'd be somewhat surly when he came in, but he was never nasty to me. He would definitely make fun of my car, which I'm not really sure how you can make fun of a 76 Circus Peanut Orange Pontiac Ventura with chrome wheels. Carol City Poe in the house. He'd say, there she goes in the tangerine tanker. So there's a couple of stories about that car that will be featured in the next radio broadcast. Thanks to Don for this request, he, he wrote me and said, you went from rock 
to easy listening, right? That must have been a change for you. Did it bore you? (laughs) I mean, you know, from Disturbed to Celine Dion? Really think the syncopation and the... No, I'm kidding. Yeah, it's a change. And I'll answer the second question in a moment. I was unceremoniously shown the door after 16 years at a rock station. And then I auditioned and was in a running for a shift on the legendary BCN in Boston, where I got to do a shift in the same studio that Aerosmith used to visit when they were first starting out. So heavy sigh, I was thrilled. And that happened in November of 2002. The weird part about that was that uh, it it is a union state. So I was unable to run my own board, which I had always done, which means, you know, turn my own mic on, get on my own music, play my own music, do my own segues, because then we still did that. (laughs) It wasn't in a computer yet where it ran on its own. And a lady by the name of Stephanie, she set up all my music, the beds under that I spoke over, and I just sat there and spoke. So I have that, my first break on BCN, and then I have the last break where I did a crossover with Nick Carter, who was doing Afternoons. This is 104.1 WBCN Boston. The search continues for the next WBCN DJ. Today, our DJ wannabe comes from the Miami-Fort Lauderdale area of Florida, where it is currently nice and warm. Kimba works in radio in the Miami-Fort Lauderdale area. She has since 1986, but she would like to be the next WBCN DJ. We'd like to let her know it is going to snow here on Wednesday. Ladies and gentlemen, WBCN welcomes Kimba. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. It's better than 75-year-olds in Speedos. (laughs) I'm blind! Salutations! I am so excited to be here, which I realize everyone who has been here has said that. However, my t-shirt has actually tightened from the excitement. I don't don't really know what that means or if it's a good thing. Plus, I have the added bonus. It's an early present. Tomorrow is my birthday, which is also good because I'll finally be allowed to drink. Oh, come on. Like, you've never been on antibiotics? Come on. Let's do it right about now. Fat Boy Slim on 104.1 WBCN. All right. Kimba, I gotta say, you are smooth like X-Lax. Thank you. I'm hoping I get this job really so that I can come on right before you. That way I could say, me Kimba, you Nick. Oh, well, I hope not. Jesus Christ. Plus, if I come up here, I can lose the accent and start speaking wicked normal. (laughs) (laughs) Next DJ at WBCN.com. Happy Thanksgiving. Send an email. (laughs) You know what? I'm just going to step out of it. You just make your last... The last pitch. Love me, please. <laughs> you are. Right. You're one of us. Right? <laughs> Kimba, Thank everybody. you. Kimba. So that was in November of 2002. And I had also sent out resumes to local stations in South Florida just saying, hey, you got anything, any part time? I'll do it. And as it would turn out, Light's nighttime DJ, Ron King, was retiring. And the program director, Rob Sidney, had heard of me on Zeta and had heard uh, and aside his disdain for the funky font I had chosen for the letter. <laughs> he probably can still tell you what font it was to this very day. Um, he met with me and I'd always said, you know, if you can, if you're, if you're good at this, if you, if you, if you work hard at being a DJ, you could do it at any format, most any format. So now I kind of had to put my money where my mouth was. Rob believed I could do it too. There was some management that was like, are you sure you want to hire this rock chick to be on an adult contemporary station? And, you know, Lionel Richie, Celine Dion, it was a change. 
but it was also a challenge for me. How could I make this work? How could I be on this type of format where the, certainly everything's a little bit softer and make it exciting for me and the listener? I mean, I think just because the music is such doesn't mean that ever all the people listening don't like to be have fun or be entertained. So how do you do that? How do you make that work? And so that was the challenge for me, which kept it from being boring. The only thing that I really had to get used to was the lack of interaction with listeners compared to an active rock station. My phones were constantly lit. <laughs> so was I at uh, the rock station. And so the phones would always be ringing yet at this type of format. If you gave something away, sure. And and there certainly were a lot of listeners out there. They just were not, not that there weren't any, there were some, but there was a really big difference in how often the phone rang at light versus Zeta. So I had to get used to that because I was constantly busy. If I wasn't getting ready for a break, I was answering the phone, uh, getting music. And now the phones are pretty much dead most of the time. So that was a bit of something to get used to for sure. The first few weeks or months of being at light, I would get calls from guys going, Kimba, Kimba, is that you? Is this me, Kimba? Zeta Kimba? Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> and they would say, what are you doing on this station? To which I would respond, what are you doing listening to this station? And then you'd hear the hemming and the hawing and the, oh, well, my, oh, my wife left it on in the car. And, you know, hey, there's nothing wrong with getting in touch with your inner feelings. Just thankfully, we didn't play that particular song. Feelings. Also, for people who didn't jump around to... Station to station, because that they were about as far apart as you can get. Uh, they thought I just left town, like I just disappeared. So that was in 2003 that I started working at Light. And in 2010, I went over to Coast, which was also adult contemporary, but a little more up-tempo, maybe a little more hot AC, as, as it's known. And people were calling me and asking me when I got back into town. I had actively been on the air those seven years, right down the street. But the, for the people who didn't go over and jump around from station to station, or certainly not from like a, a Zeta to a, a Light FM, thought I had left town, thought I just got back. So I've always said, don't let your ego be bigger than your signal. <laughs> it should be even smaller still, because you're in the same market. And, and people didn't realize that I had been there the whole time. So I hope I answered that question, Don. And for Stevie... Uh, she asked, who was the craziest star you ever interviewed? I don't really recall anybody who I interviewed being um, out and out total wackadoo. You know, some the only time I ever encountered the rock stars being even slightly not nice is if they were hangry, and that's perfectly understandable. And, and I don't really, even ones who have reputations for being crazy, I've never encountered anything too crazy. However, there was this one guy. It was Ozfest, July of 2001 in West Palm Beach. And for um, I was doing a live broadcast for whatever reason, and there were probably a lot of reasons, uh, nothing was arranged correctly by our station. So we had the van and it was inside of the, the venue, right outside of, of a gate that would take you backstage. But nothing was arranged. So for several of the interviews, I had to get in touch with either the record label or the manager and try to get the bands to come out to the van, which was out in the open where the concert goers, you know, could easily 
approach and see, which is a good thing, but, you know, they don't want to get mobbed, these guys. So they did. A drowning pool came out. A union Underground came out. Elias from Nonpoint stopped by. And then Jacoby Shaddix, who was then known as Kobe Dick from Papa Roach, came out. And I was sitting in the middle part of the back of the van, and Kobe decided he was going to sit in the front passenger seat and just turn and, and face me. Okay. So maybe he wanted to hide from the masses, didn't want to see them. And he was being, he was being Kobe, <laughs> which toddler-like, I guess is what you could say, irreverent. And, and to give you an idea, here's one of, they call it artist ID. Here's the one that he did. Hello, this is Kobe Dick from Papa Roach, and you are listening to Kimba Kimba Kimba. <laughs> so that's how he was kind of behaving. And we're chatting or trying to anyway. And all of a sudden, he just lets one rip. And then he starts laughing and says, yeah, I farted. And this is, we're on the air. Well, what he didn't expect was just how nasty of a fart it was and the Dutch oven effect that the van in the middle of July in South Florida out west (laughs) had created. It was kind of like uh, akin to the splash zone at a sequarium. He took out the first few rows of people who were standing outside the van. He got really embarrassed. He apologized for just how smelly it was. I mean, he actually really did get embarrassed about it. Unfortunately, I swore I had this interview on tape because I have most of I even found every other interview I did at that OzFest or OddFest. That that could work, Uh, but I can't. Find that particular one. You're welcome, Kobe, if I do find it. I will revisit this story because you can hear the precise moment that the pungency arrived under the proboscis. (laughs) So I do have uh, pre and post pictures. That's what, by the looks on our faces, that's what I would assume they were with myself and Kobe. And you can see those as well as you could see this podcast on youtube.com slash herkimba. And I hope you enjoyed these musical shares. And again, if you do have what I call a requestion that you'd like me to answer, KimbaTyler at gmail.com will work. You can send me an email that way. I thank you for being one of Kimba's herd. Thank you for listening to me, Kimba, radio broadcast. Episode three, it's a gas, gas, gas. Woo! Not going there. Kimba.